following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is a gorgeous and hot, sunny day in Auburn and Opelika. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. Carter, happy Monday, brother. Hope your weekend was good. Yeah, it was a uh, good weekend. Got to uh, kind of sit back and, re- and relax a bit before the start of this week and you know i mean a lot to talk about college baseball college basketball a lot of fun things going on in the sports world yeah and so with that uh here's sort of what the uh show rundown's going to look like we're 68 days away from the start of auburn football by the way from september 2nd so uh, we will continue that countdown here every single day on the show we're going to talk some auburn basketball with the uh wasn't the schedule release but it was the opponent release for sec play coming up in 2023 and 2024 for Auburn basketball uh, for the SEC conference, right? And so looking at the different opponents for for Auburn basketball. So I'm going to start off the show today with that. We've got question of the day, which we know on Mondays is best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend. Got a few things to talk about. I believe Jack Hutton will be calling in to talk a little baseball with the College World Series. Uh, We have game three tonight to determine a national champion. So excited to talk about that. LSU in Florida, who's going to win and why? We'll talk about that later on as well uh, and then talk some more uh, basketball in hour number two. So that's what's coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Carter, let's jump into this thing on a Monday afternoon. We got the news from Auburn basketball today that their conference matchups have been announced. We know who Auburn will play at home inside of Neville Arena, and we know where Auburn basketball will be traveling to in the Southeastern Conference. And it's important to remind folks, we've talked a lot about this on the football side of things, but this is the last year of SEC basketball before Texas and Oklahoma join in this sport as well. And so it's it's going to look different when those two teams are added. Won't be affected as much, I don't think, in basketball. Not nearly, because you don't have true divisions anymore. Right. That's, that's not been a thing in basketball for a while. Um I think it's kind of weird that it's a thing in baseball for some reason, but um, I think it'll be interesting. It, it it just really is adding two teams. I don't think it shakes it up all that much. Mm-hmm. It'll change the format of the SEC basketball tournament uh, and, I mean, the baseball tournament for that matter, but I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy uh, at surface level right now. Right. With the schedule, yeah, it, shouldn't, uh, it, it shouldn't affect it all that much, but... Let's talk about some of the things. We'll go through the teams first on who Auburn's playing at home for basketball this season and who they will be playing on the road. There's some interesting storylines here for Auburn basketball. So starting with their home opponents coming up in the SEC for the 2023-2024 season. Uh, At home, you'll have Alabama, Georgia, 
Kentucky, so that's a big one. You get Kentucky inside of Neville Arena. You have LSU, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and then Ole Miss. So those are your home opponents for Auburn basketball. And again, there are some storylines that we will talk about when it comes to your home games. Then on the road for Auburn, you have Alabama. So that's one that you're going to play home in a way. You're on the road at Arkansas, on the road at Florida, on the road at Georgia. So there's another home and home. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri on the road, Tennessee on the road, and a home and home with Vanderbilt. So one thing that I wanted to point out, and again, I know you have some storylines with this too. The one that sticks out to me first is the fact that Auburn does not go to Lexington and you do yep. play the Cats at home. You get you get John Calipari in Kentucky inside Neville Arena and you don't have to travel to Rupp where we just know Auburn basketball, they just don't play well in Rupp. Yeah, it's been a long time since Auburn's won a game in Rupp. So to get them at home with this Auburn team that I think is going to be very, very talented. I think they're very underrated. I feel pretty good about that right now, even with the the addition that Kentucky had with Trey Mitchell, the West Virginia transfer, committing to them. I mean, yes, he's somebody who's going to be a solid player, somebody they desperately needed. He's to got fill experience, out. at least. I he, mean, he, he was a solid player at, at West, West Virginia. He was... Really good at, at UMass early in his career. Went to Texas, was okay. Uh, and then at West Virginia last year, he was pretty good. I mean, he he wasn't anything crazy to write home about. Um, but I think Auburn right now, if you were to tell me, uh, I, we don't know the layout of the schedule, I'd tell you Auburn beats Kentucky in Neville right now as it stands because I think this Auburn team's going to be way better than people think. I think they're really sleeping on this team. I think Denver Jones, I think Chaney Johnson, Chad Baker-Mazzara, those additions are going to change uh, how Auburn can score, uh, the shooting on the court, and Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson are going to be an upgrade at the point guard position. Trey Donaldson's going to be probably drop some weight, be a little quicker, a little faster, uh, a little more comfortable with the speed of the game. I expect his role to increase. Aiden Holloway is one of your prototypical Bruce Pearl point guards. And I think he's going to have a big year as well. And I think they're both upgrades over last year's Trey Donaldson and Wendell Green Jr. And think about what Kentucky has done against Auburn over the last few years that have really hurt Auburn. It's their guard play. Kentucky's had elite guard play. They've had some really talented guys at the guard position that have borderline just oversized and outmatched Auburn's guards. Well, and, and it's been it's been Oscar Shibwe is right. so dominant down low, but now he's gone. Mm-hmm. Jani Broom, I think the path is clear for him to dominate down low, especially if it's Trey Mitchell. He'll have a size advantage mm-hmm. in that matchup. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an interesting matchup because I think Auburn's – Auburn may not have the ceiling at when you go through the roster one through however many Kentucky ends up with by the start of the season. They may not have the ceiling, but I think they're when the, with the time that they play, the floor is going to be a lot higher. Um, they're a lot more experienced. 
I think that that's going to show in a matchup like that. I, I'm with you, and you already mentioned we don't know when the Kentucky game will be for Auburn basketball, but you get it at home, and that's what we're talking about right now is the conference matchups for Auburn basketball that were released today. We know the home and away opponents. We don't have the actual schedule yet, uh, but you mentioned that, and it's important because we know Kentucky seems like this year more than ever, Carter, they are very, very young and very inexperienced. And yeah, they got a guard tr- or a uh, grad transfer today, but they are young, man, extremely talented. One of the most talented classes we've ever seen in college basketball, but they're very, very young. And so let's say Auburn plays this Kentucky team second or third weekend of in January. I don't think they'll allow that. I think they'll wait on it and it'd be later in the conference schedule. But let's say just for sake of argument for a second that it is, that's still going to be a raw Kentucky team. And one thing that Auburn has, they have experience. Maybe not all together, but there are experienced guys on this roster for Auburn. And I think inside of Neville Arena, that will carry Auburn mm-hmm. to a win over Kentucky if it's early on. Now, if this is an early March type of game, I think it'd be a lot closer, but I'm glad Auburn gets Kentucky at home and you don't have to go to Rupp because, again, Auburn's record inside of Rupp Arena, man, it's just not good at all. Um, I look at some of these away games that you do have, though. They're tough, man. You have a tough road schedule if you're Auburn basketball at Alabama, at Arkansas, at Florida, which we don't know what that team's going to be, but playing at, in, in Florida is never easy anyway. At Ole Miss at Tennessee, and at Vanderbilt, where Auburn didn't play well last time they went to Nashville. Yeah, I'm not so worried about Vanderbilt this upcoming season. I mean, I'm not worried so much about Missouri either. I mean, I think Missouri is going to be fine. Um, Florida, I'll let Todd Golden's bunch show me something before I worry about them. Look, Arkansas and Tennessee are going to be the favorites for the two most talented teams in in this league to win the league. So those two, yeah, that's going to be tough. Bud Walton's really hard to play in. Uh, Knoxville's a hard place to go to and win as well. Um, Ole Miss is going to be better than than they have been because of the talent that they've been able to bring in via the transfer portal. But I don't think they're, they're better than this Auburn team still. Um, I'm curious to see what the atmosphere is like in Oxford because they aren't typically – a great uh, basketball environment. I know they have their their new arena. Um, maybe they're rolling when Auburn goes there, and um, maybe it is really, really, really tough. But we know that Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss every year are Auburn's home and homes. They're locked-in opponents. Um, not shocked necessarily about anything on this schedule. I do think it's key to get Kentucky at home. Um, I... I think that A&M team that you've struggled so much with, getting them at home, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's key as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and on the flip side of the Auburn Ole Miss game, when that game is played inside of Neville Arena, you know what that means. It means Wes and Alan Flanagan will be back inside of Neville Arena wearing Ole Miss colors this time. I'm really curious to see what the the welcome is like in Neville for them. I think it'll be split. I really do. I think it'll be split. I, I think you're going to have some split, that support, but, but there's going to be some that are not happy. And not not because they left, just because we we just know what Alan Flanagan was in the the love-hate relationship that Auburn fans had with Alan Flanagan in his time at Auburn, right? 
He, it was a love-hate relationship the entire time he was here, and I think that's what you'll see when he walks into Neville Arena. You're going to have some that cheer, you're going to have some that boo, and you're going to have some that just kind of watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that that's fair. Um, the students will give him you-know-what. The student, yeah. the student section will let him have it. And they should. I mean, and <laughs> well, they should. And that's to anybody that leads, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be an interesting environment for sure. And um, something that I'll keep my eye on in that matchup is, do you see the emotion of the moment get to a guy like Alan Flanagan? Do you see him trying to do too much? You very well could. I could very easily see that happening. And, and Mr. ATM come back out? Absolutely. I could. But at the same time, he is good enough to where maybe he comes in and, and finds a shot. And I'm interested just to see what Alan Flanagan does in the SEC at a different environment, in a different school that's not Auburn. Because of, again, just all of the drama, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but there was always something, right? Every People always had complaints, ourselves included, don't get me wrong, about Alan Flanagan and his performance mm-hmm. or stuff off the court or whatever it may be. And so I'm interested to see what Alan Flanagan does at Ole Miss with Chris Beard and still having his dad as a coach. I think all of that together is going to be really, really interesting for Alan Flanagan. And and look, I don't think anybody listening to this show or us sitting here in the studio, we want nothing but the best for Alan Flanagan. I genuinely am curious, though, on what he looks like away from Auburn. And and we'll we'll find out. And it'll be interesting when Auburn plays Ole Miss twice. You mentioned it already. They'll be home and away with Ole Miss. But I expect the student section to let Alan Flanagan have it. And I, I expect the rest of Neville Arena to kind of be split. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that's probably exactly how, how that's going to go go down. You're going to have some people that um, are grateful for what he gave to Auburn, and then you're probably going to have some that um, maybe feel some type of way about some of the murmurs and stuff about the program uh, and maybe don't aren't – Maybe view him as what may have been holding back Bruce Pearl's teams here recently, mm-hmm. and kind of take that out on him. Right, right or wrong, I think that that's something that very easily uh, could happen. When you look at this schedule before we get to break, pick a home game and a road game that you're most excited for. Just looking at this, I know we don't have the schedule yet; we just have the conference matchups. But pick a team off the home and away that you're most excited for for Auburn basketball 23 and in 2024. I'm going to say um, the easy answer is Kentucky at home mm-hmm. because I think it's a pelt you can get on the wall that's a big name. Sneaky answer would be A&M. Um, and then I'll say the Tennessee game on the road because I think this Auburn team goes there and wins because I think that Bruce Pearl, I mean, even when his teams are outmatched, just totally outmatched, they fight and scrap, and they give Tennessee every bit of it. And I think that that Tennessee team, I think they're going to be good, but I think Auburn's going to be better. And I think that with the, with the Bruce, Bruce Pearl's success that he has already had against um, against Rick Barnes in Knoxville and in Neville Arena, just in general, I think he goes and gets one in that game. 
Yeah, Auburn has a two-game losing streak in Knoxville. Auburn basketball does. So it would be time for them to to pick that back up, and, and I think they will be more talented than Tennessee this year. I'll be honest, I don't know quite what Tennessee is going to look like. I, I think Tennessee is going to be very, very talented and will be one of the two picks with Arkansas to win the league. Yeah, they're going to be up there. There's no doubt. But again, it's Rick Barnes at Tennessee. You never know what you're going to get. On paper, people are going to say that that Tennessee team is more talented than Auburn. But I don't agree with that. And once you see it play out on the court, I think Auburn's going to be a lot, like I keep saying, a lot better than what people think. I think that's going to play out. Yeah. Also, I think Auburn's going to sweep Alabama this year. Okay. I don't think that Alabama team is going to be all that good. I don't hate that. I don't hate that pick. Alabama to, to lose, go 0-2 against Auburn. I don't hate that because I think Auburn is going to be much more talented than Alabama on the basketball floor. Uh, I look at the away and home games. I'm with you. Obviously, the, the Kentucky game at home is big. Not having to go to Rupp is going to be big. Um, so, I like that. Uh, I like getting uh, South Carolina at home. I like getting A&M at home. I think that'll be exciting. Road game-wise, I'm excited for, for the Florida game. Because I'm ready for Auburn to go back to Gainesville and win. Because I'm sure that's a fun road trip. I'm, I'm thinking a little selfishly here, too. Because you know that uh, my dad and I and our, our, a group of guys, we go on a road trip every year for Auburn basketball. And I've wanted to go to Florida for a long time. I've never been. Haven't been there for football, basketball, anything. Um, so hopefully uh, we can try to put that together. And the Florida game is going to be a lot of fun if, if, if we get to go. But for Auburn in general, uh, I think Florida is going to be a lot of fun to go down to Gainesville. So we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Your favorite games, your most excited games for the Auburn basketball season coming up in 23 and 24. The home and away opponents have been released. Uh, the schedule will come out uh, after that. So we'll see what how it gets broken down. If Auburn has, you know, if it's sort of balanced or if you got a heavy January, heavy February, we'll see what happens with the actual schedule. But overall, I think Auburn should be happy with the home and away opponents. When we come back, we'll have question of the day. It's Monday. We'll talk about the best and worst things we saw in sports over the weekend. And again, give us a call at 334-321-1390. More of the Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Carter, it's Monday. Best and worst things we saw in sports over the weekend. Uh, And I want to start because all of mine have to do with baseball, particularly Major League Baseball. I'll leave the College World Series stuff for later. Uh, We expect Jack Hutton to be calling in in a few minutes to talk about the College World Series. Uh, But the best thing I saw this weekend in sports were the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds who played one of the best series of the entire year. This thing had runs, runs, and more runs. Uh, Lots of excitement. You got to see star power all over the field, old, young, middle-aged. I mean, everybody got involved in this thing, and the Braves end up winning the series. Uh, They take two of three out of the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds did win game one and extended that winning streak, uh, but the Braves were able to turn around and uh, take the last two. So they lose game one, 11 to 10 to the Braves. Then they win game two and three, seven to six and seven to six. But man, it was so much fun to watch and listen to and keep up with because uh, I mean, like I said, star power all over the field this weekend in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, my, I guess, best thing I saw was, 
the young fella, the the rookie, Ellie De, De La Cruz on Friday. He's unbelievable. Hitting for the cycle. Yeah. And doing it in an impressive fashion. The home run, he's got such power, such speed. Uh, the, the triple looked easy. Um, yeah, I mean, what, he was like the fourth or fifth youngest player to hit for a cycle yeah. or something like that. He went which, four for five with the hit for the cycle, and and he, he is so exciting, too, is De La Cruz. He's just, he's one of those young, energetic baseball players. He just turned 21 from the Dominican. He's mm-hmm. He's been awesome. He and just it's loves so much fun to watch him play play the game. He just loves the game, man. You can tell he loves playing. He loves winning, which the Reds have done a lot of recently uh, since he showed up. I mean, they've—I forget the exact number. They've won. They're like fourteen and three, fourteen and four. Uh, I don't. That's not the exact stat, but it's something like that where. They went on this big winning streak when he got called up to play for them. So he's just a lot of fun to, to watch, yeah. and and I'll be keeping up with him and the Reds because they're playing really well. And hopefully they don't do Cincinnati Reds things and, and crash back down to earth and miss the postseason. But as of right now, they're in a good spot. Yeah, they, they dropped two out of three this weekend to the Braves, the last two in the series after they extended that win streak out to 11. I think that puts them at... 13 and 4 since Elliot okay. came up. Yeah, maybe it was somewhere around there. Uh, just by eyeballing it because he was called up on the 6th. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's awesome. And he's such an injection of life into that team. So is Joey Votto, who finally has gotten back out there and has been pretty impressive too. The power bat has not gone away for Joey Votto uh, as he hit, I mean, he hit three or four home runs in his first three or four games back from injury. He had a big one in the Friday night game against the Braves. He has played, I got. I can get you the exact number, he's played six games. Uh, he is, has five hits and 18 at-bats and three home runs, including a couple against the Braves, uh, and seven RBI. Just to have your your leader, your veteran leader on that team back uh, with these young guns it's a lot of fun, and the and this Reds team, they're in a really good spot in a in an NL Central that is really really gettable. Because I mean, you've got young guys. You're you're starting nine right now. You have J- Kurt Kurt Casale as your short as your uh, catcher at thirty four. You've got Joey Votto. Uh, as your kind of DH first baseman, he's an older guy, but he's 39. Uh, and then you've got Will Myers at 32. Everybody else that plays significant time, they're in their 20s besides the backup catcher who's 32. I mean, they are young. They are really, really young. A bunch of 25, 26-year-olds. Matt McClain, the other rookie who's 23, the other shortstop uh, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Nick Senzel, who was a very high prospect coming up, uh, who's been their third baseman for the last little bit. They have to figure out a place for McLean, for Senzel, for De La Cruz, and Votto all out there at once. Votto's probably likely to be your DH. Uh, and because of that, I mean, you might see Ellie play some outfield. Possibly. I mean, I, I, he's got the athleticism. Yeah, he's got the speed and the athleticism, no Just because 
you want McLean out there. He's hitting in his twenty in his thirty seven games. He's hitting over three hundred. Uh, Ellie in his seventeen games is hitting over three hundred. Uh, you want to get them both out there, and then Sinzel. I mean, you have enough invested in Sinzel, and he's a capable enough player that you probably want him out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, again, best thing I saw this weekend, Braves and Reds, uh, one of the most exciting season or the series that I've seen in, in Major League Baseball pretty much all year. And uh, you saw the, the Reds get to extend their streak, then the Braves sort of get back on track. Uh, the Braves 50-27. and 27. They are six games above the Miami Marlins, um, so they are doing fine. The Reds are one game, or half a game, I should say, ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. Uh, we'll see, like I said, we'll see if the Reds can hold on and actually play consistent baseball and not do Cincinnati Reds things and just crash and burn near the end of the year and uh how about how crazy would that be to see the cincinnati reds back in the postseason if if they're able to hang on and play play well through the back half of the season yeah i mean it'd be pretty crazy because what it was last year that they're either team president or some high-ranking executive when they were just going to be completely non-competitive and they knew it coming into opening day he had the quote on their broadcast that's where if you're a fan where are you going to go and that's crazy to say that to your fan base but it uh, it's a harsh reality at times it seems like so cincinnati and atlanta played a really really fun series we'll talk some college world series with jack hutton when we come back you are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're going to get to the phone lines. Our good buddy Jack Hutton calling in to talk a little college baseball in the College World Series. Jack, happy Monday, brother. Hope you're doing well. What's going on, guys? Happy Game 3 of the National Championship uh, Monday. That's right. Yes, it is. That's right. <laughs> a great game it should be because the first two games have been historic. We know uh, Game 1 was down to the wire, and Game 2, not so much. Jack, what have you seen through the first two games between the Gators and the Tigers? Yeah, the first game, of course, you had um, you didn't you, did, you had Ty Floyd, who, who kind of made his name for himself uh, in the MLB draft, with 17 strikeouts. I don't know. Um, if I've ever seen just a particular game with that, much less game one of a national championship series. Um, so, and I, and be honest, you know, we sat in there in the studio on Friday and talked about how, um, I, you know, and I even said, I talked about how Florida, um, I thought was going to win that one two and two and oh and, and be done with it. And Ty Floyd kind of shut me up on that one. Um, you know, LSU gets a couple of big swings in there and, and gets that done. But then yesterday, of course, you had Florida. Uh, boy, they just woke up, uh, it seemed like, around the fourth or fifth inning. And those bats are really hot right now. I mean, they're they're hotter than today, at least, outside. And so, um, you know, I think Florida's in a really good position now because, you know, they, they've got momentum behind their bats. They've still got another one of their starters that they trust. And uh, Jack Caglione is going to be able to go tonight. And so, um, you know, you, you never know exactly what you're going to see, but, um, a couple of cool storylines that I'm sure we'll talk about um, in the next few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a great matchup. And um, game three, I mean, we we could really see a scenario here where 
LSU squeaks out another one-run win, and they get outscored by 18 in the in the College World Series final, and yet they're national champions uh, in the three-game set. How about that? Just how how shocking is it really to see Floyd go out there in that game one and strike out 17? And yes, he gives up three runs, uh, and it wasn't pretty at all times. But just to watch him grind out and go get 17 strikeouts against this really talented Florida lineup that we saw what they did the next day, how did he keep him off balance? And just how crazy was that to see? I thought he mixed his breaking ball well with his fastball. Um, you know, Floyd is, has not necessarily been a very overpowering pitcher on the season. And so um, for him to kind of mix his off speed in there was really important for him to go that distance. But the other thing that he did was when he did throw his fastball, he located it very well. Um, thought he got a lot of swings and misses down low in the zone. Um, you know, he, he did give up a couple of hard hits like that. But you keep guys off base for the most part. Um, and the way you do that is you ensure that they're off base. You just go ahead and strike them out. So, um, you know, 17 on the day, he hasn't necessarily been a power pitcher all year. Um, you know, that title has, has really more gone to Paul Skeens for the LSU Tigers. Um, and then, you know, the bullpen has been a little shaky for them. And so the, the strikeout numbers haven't been there. But, yeah, Ty Floyd um, really making a name for himself, I think, with the MLB draft coming up soon. Um, and, you know, I think doing it on that stage against that offense is, is certainly going to turn some heads. Um, it's impressive, you know, I mean, and I think a lot of Auburn fans are going to look back and see, you know, this Florida lineup. I mean, we saw them back in Gainesville um, back in probably maybe it was maybe it was April or so, maybe even um, early March. I mean, it was it was quite some time ago when Auburn went to Gainesville and, mm-hmm. and played them put up 10 runs in the first game and, and held them to one. But then Florida, well, they slapped back um, pretty strong. I think they had 14 runs in game two and then 17 runs in game three. So it's a potent offense. Auburn's seen it before. Um, and it's impressive that Ty Floyd did that against that, against that Florida lineup. Yeah, I mean, and we always see somebody step up every year in the College World Series. And it feels like Ty, Ty Floyd was that this year. I mean, considering the fact that he struck out seven more hitters than he has at any point this year in any outing, and he went a full inning deeper. The, or I think there actually there's there's an Ole Miss outing. He went eight and a third, but that's just the second time he's gone that deep in the game all year long. Unbelievable outing by him, and uh, I mean he gives LSU a fighting chance, especially when we know who might be lurking on the mound for LSU today. Well, yeah, and that was the other point that um, that I thought was so important was that it came at a time when LSU absolutely had to have it. Uh, you know, you were going to have your pick of maybe Thatcher Hurd. Um, you know, you, you had uh, Ty Floyd, of course, there. You have Christian Little, who has kind of sat at that start, that third starter position for a while. Um, but LSU's really got most of the work that – has done real well, and at least in the, the first part of this College World Series, and then in game one there, Ty Floyd was great, but the bullpen came back in, and they were able to shut things down. Um, you know, earlier in this College World Series, you have a couple of games, and I forget the guy's name that, that went six innings the other day. I think it was against Wake Forest, but it was just, it was so impressive how LSU has, has pieced this together when all year long that bullpen has been the real question. Um, you know, 
turn the page to tonight, though, and I, I do think it's a little bit different now because, you know, I tend to believe that um, I think they're going to start Paul Skeens, actually, you know, thinking about yeah. this. I think they're mm-hmm. going to open him up with him. Um, you know, I could see about a 40 to 50 pitch outing where he gets you through the first three or four innings. And I think I like that. I think I like the strategy there because, you know, you don't want to waste bullets uh, with the guy that's going to be a first round draft pick, probably a, one of the, the first or second draft pick overall. Um, you know, you don't want to waste bullets. You know, let's say you get down eight to one and, and now you throw them in there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning to try and shut things down. Well, that's great, but your offense hasn't been able to produce. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know get him in at a time where you can really use his production, where it's going to mean something. You know, know you, what you're going to get for those three or four innings, and then have your bullpen try and finish things out. By the way, I I love this. Somebody asked Kurt Schilling on Twitter what his thoughts are on Pawski and potentially throwing today on three days rest after throwing 120 pitches on Thursday. And he said, he quote tweeted the, the tweet asking him this. He said, three days rest at what, 2021? 20, Take the effing ball. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we had that conversation on Friday, right, Jack? We talked about if it, you know, you, you almost question who Paul Skeens is and what is important to him. Is it winning a national championship or is it, being safe and preparing for his future, right? And playing major league baseball. And I think you're going to figure that out tonight. If he goes 30 or 40, or if he tries to push for 70 plus. Well, again, we're talking about an, a possibility of an injury that yes, is now heightened. Uh, but I mean, if, if you're really thinking about, okay, pitch by pitch, what are the chances that, um, you know, I'm going to severely injure myself. It's still not incredibly likely. And so, while, yes, you are worried about injury, you're worried about that. I mean, again, you know, three days rest, I mean, you know, something that we, we talked about beforehand, and, and I kind of thought about this off air, but the same amount of rest that you're having from Thursday to Monday, that's the same that you would be having from a Tuesday to Saturday. And so we've seen guys before come in for the midweek, you know, especially, I mean, think about it around here. Think about Aubrey. You've seen guys come in on the Tuesday um, and maybe have a start do very well and then come out of the bullpen on Saturday to give you some. So so I really don't think that this is necessarily that large of a concern. It's just going to be about how far does he go. I don't think it's going to be another 120 pitch outing or anything no, like that. I don't think so. No, um, I, I don't think so if, either. If it is, then at some point the effectiveness is going to be gone and he's just, just mm-hmm. going to become a normal dude out there. Right, yeah. And, and, the, and the Paul schemes that we know, of course, is going to want to do that, obviously. I mean, you know, I, I think I think back to the SEC tournament um, when I think it was – I can't remember who they were playing, but um, he had just thrown a couple of days before, and I think he was, was coming back and for their first-round game. Um, maybe it was their first-round game. I think it was. And he – Told Jay Johnson, "I'm I'm I'm taking this ball. You're not letting you're not letting me not pitch this game." So, right. Um, he's a competitor, and he's he's going to always you know want the ball in his hands. And I just I just don't think you're going to keep it out of his hands for the deciding game, the national championship. So, um, yeah, you know, I I really think that this could be a fairly um, just you know mundane start, if you will, for Paul Skeens is going to be 120 pitches. So, I mean, I don't think this is going to be anything like that, but. You know, you get 60 or 70 even pitches out of him, and that's a great start uh, if you're LSU. 
Jack, we uh, are joined by Jack Hutton on the phone lines talking College World Series. Jack, a narrative that comes up just about every time you have a series like this, when it is best of three, we know how important winning game one is. You know the stat. I mean, if you win game one, you are uh, – history shows that that team goes on to win the national championship or whatever the best of three series is more times than not. And you you feel like winning game one is so important – and you, that team should have the momentum going into games two and game three. How much did Florida shatter that that narrative with a massive win that they had yesterday of 24-4? to four? Because if you ask me, I feel like this is a pretty even momentum game tonight when it comes to LSU and Florida coming into game three. Well, I do too. And I think that's the reason why we're talking so much about Paul Skeens is because you know, how much does that offset now the momentum that Florida has created? Because, you know, if you had told me that, that Paul Skeens had thrown yesterday um, or maybe, you know, in the first game on Saturday and he wasn't available tonight, I'd pick Florida pretty much, you know, sight unseen. I mean, with ease, I think I'd go with Florida tonight. Um, but, you know, what are you going to get out of Skeens? And, and whatever you do, I don't think that Florida is expecting to score more than one or two runs at most um, against Skeens in, you know, anywhere from three to maybe six innings if he's efficient. Um, now that would still be a really good start. But, but yeah, to kind of piggyback on what you said there, I really do think that Florida turned this momentum around yesterday. Their bats got really hot. Um, you know, Wyatt Langford continues to rate Carter. I know um, that you mentioned him when we were in on Friday, but that's a guy that just because Dylan Cruz is – getting so much clout right now. We're not talking about him. And he's hitting balls 112 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, he um, went five for five it. yesterday. I think it's huge to see Caglione. All of a sudden, you saw his power stroke get back. You saw him starting to get some hits. This Florida lineup, you got to feel great about the confidence right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. BT Ryapel has a good day the other day. Cade Curlin on base a few times. I mean, they're, they're potent up and down. And you don't hear a lot about them, but once again, it's a team that has been through the SEC grind. They were good all season long, and they really just weren't talked about very much because you had other storylines going on. Um, it's a really good Florida offensive team, and I think that that's what gets it done tonight. Um, you know, I don't know if we're if we're doing picks quite yet or not, but um, I'm leaning towards you know them getting it done tonight just by producing some offense when Paul Skeens is out of the game. I think that yeah. there's too much too, too much momentum behind the Florida Bats right now. Well, here's some information that may uh, dictate where you go with your prediction. Uh, Mikey Matsuk, his, the former LSU star baseball player, his radio show uh, in Baton Rouge just tweeted out at 2.37, Thatcher Hurd will get the start wow. for LSU tonight. How about that? Yeah, it was shocking, man. Did they did they say anything about skeins availability? Anything about skeins? I you're gonna see skeins in some capacity, but see, that's kind of what I don't like about this. If you wanted, if you want to get the best from skeins, have him settle into his routine as a starter that he's been doing all year long. That's had all this success. Let him start. Mm -hmm. If you want to bring somebody else out of the pen, sure, but I want. I also want to make sure I get off to a good start in this game with Skeens, and I'm not bringing Skeens into the game down four because yeah, Florida jumped all over. That's your hurt. 
that's my biggest thing, Carter, is what I was saying earlier like that, is you don't want to bring schemes in and you're already down three or four runs. That's great. Now you're leaving them where they are, but Florida's got momentum. They're on a roll now, and so you're playing catch-up the whole game. I don't know. I, I would have gone with schemes, and, you know, maybe there's still time for them to, to switch that, and maybe they're going to switch that. I don't know. Um, but if you go with Thatcher Hurd, it's, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a destinate for LSU. Thatcher Hurd's a great pitcher. Um, but I, I just, yeah, to me, I think I'm going with my best, regardless of, of what kind of rest he's on, you know, within reason. Um, and I just, I, I think that's the wrong move. So, Jack, given that news, given everything, before we, we let you go, who's your pick, Florida or LSU, to win the national championship? I'm taking Florida. Taking Florida, too much pop in the bats right now. They got too much momentum. I think Jack Caglione, um, you know, is going to be able to handle at least whatever um, stage he's on. You know, that was the concern is about some of these freshmen coming into the College World Series. Are the lights a little too bright? I think he's shown that at least at the plate, um, he's got a whole lot of momentum in his bat too. Um, and I think that that he's going to produce just like he has all year this year. Um, you know, he'll touch triple digits on his fastball even sometimes. And so, you know, I think Florida is, is going to settle in quite nicely. Um, I could see the, the Gators getting off to a good start and, and hitting hurt around the park a little bit. And um, I think LSU brings schemes in a little too late tonight and the Gators win it. We'll see how it goes, Jack. As always, man, we appreciate you joining us and talking a little baseball. Appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a good day. Yep, that's Jack Hutton joining us on the phone lines talking College World Series. We'll give our picks when we come back with the news that Paul Skeen's not getting the start for LSU. We'll talk about it coming up as we wrap up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Monday edition of On the Line, we appreciate Jack Hutton calling in, good buddy of ours, who always loves talking baseball, giving his uh, picks and predictions for the College World Series, the national championship game tonight, LSU and Florida. And and Carter, you broke the news uh, from Twitter saying that Paul Skeen's not getting the start for the LSU Tigers. Kind of shocks us. It doesn't appear so right now. As of right now. Yeah, as of right now, it doesn't seem that's what's happening. And and your reasoning is spot on, man. Paul Skeen's is a starter. He is a starter in college baseball. And for me, if you're LSU and you want the best out of him, you, you hit it right on the head. Let him go through his routine. Let him do what he's comfortable doing. Not that he can't come in relief or closing or whatever, but he's been a starter all year. And so why not use him in that regard just to to, to play devil's advocate and have some sort of a pushback here, Carter? Why do you think they decided to not start Paul Skeens tonight? I I think my only my only guess is that they want to save Skeens for a high leverage moment and say, okay, we need somebody to come shut this down. Somebody shut – we're in a jam. Somebody's got to get us out of it. This is our best arm that we can go to. Or, hey, it's a tight game here in the last three innings or so. Let the big dog go out there and eat and, and just shut down Florida and see if we can scrape scrape across a run or two. I don't think that's the way I would in I would 
like to do that because yeah. especially with the amount of home runs this Florida team is hitting right now, one swing of the bat can put you down three, four runs, and then all of a sudden Paul Skeens, yeah, you're using him, but you're playing catch-up at the same time, and like he can't go shut them down and win you the game. Right, He, he can go shut them down, but he needs help. He can't score. Exactly. And that's exactly right. He can't maybe, score. Maybe he can't. Maybe maybe he hits. <laughs> maybe. And maybe that maybe they have a, a secret weapon in Paul Skeens with the bat that we just uh, yeah, they, we don't they, know about. They messed with everybody on uh, April Fool's Day, I think, by uh, they put out a lineup card with him in center field. And uh, <laughs> I must have missed some that. college baseball media people out there fell for it. Mm, the old April Fool's prank. I, it, there's always some. There's some really good and some really dumb. Um, but that's one that you should never fall for. True. I agree. I agree. But at the same time, you see it, you're like, oh, my God. And then, you know, you retweet it or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was like they had like Dylan Cruz playing shortstop and Paul Skeens playing center field. And it's like. All right. Guys. Imagine Paul Skeens just gunning somebody down from center field off of <laughs> yeah. off the blooper single. He just guns them down from center field at home plate. I'm here for it. Give man. him the ability to do an outfield throw. Uh, he can. He'll yeah. touch 104. Out yeah, there. that would be that would be fantastic. Well, I, again, it seems like Paul Skeens not getting the the start. Haven't seen anything officially official, um, but seems like that's the direction that LSU is going. Um, Carter, when you look at this. If you, given the information we know, given the the momentum of Florida coming in, but I, I what I said to Jack, I believe. I think tonight, yes, Florida's coming into this hot offensively with the m- many, many runs they scored yesterday, but I truly feel that this is an evenly balanced momentum type of game. I don't have a feeling of one team just being overly more confident than the other. I think Florida's confident in their bats. I think LSU's confident in their pitching staff and their bats. Tonight, I'm taking the Gators. I'm taking Florida to win tonight. I think they're a better hitting team. I think their pitching is solid and you just don't know where you're going to see Paul Skeens. And I think Florida has a chance to jump on them early. And as you mentioned, Paul Skeens may not even be relevant in this game. Yeah. Just to be a contrarian to you and Jack. Um, I'll, there you go. I was going to pick Florida the whole way. Uh, Cags on the mound. His bat's starting to wake up. Wyatt Lang for just so many dangerous guys in this Florida lineup. I really like the way where they're at probably mentally going into this game. Uh, but I'm going to go with the, uh, they scored all of their runs yesterday and, uh, are in trouble and, uh, might start cold at the plate and LSU jumps on them a little bit. They get skeins out there and shut them down. Um, I'll go LSU just for argument's sake. Wow. I, Look at you picking the other way for the good of the program. Yes. Look at you. Nobody's ever said you weren't a team player, huh? LSU Florida tonight for the national championship should be a lot of fun. If you're a baseball fan, even if you're not, you got to watch it tonight. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun for the national championship. Hour number one in the books. Stay tuned. We've got Braves audio and college basketball coming up in hour number two. Production.
on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talk some Auburn basketball as they have have uh, gotten their SEC opponents for 2023 and 2024. If you missed it, you can either go catch up with the podcast or we'll talk some more about it coming up later here in hour number two. Also talked a little College World Series with LSU and Florida playing tonight and we'll stay on that topic of conversation as Spectre joins us on the phone lines at 334-321-1390. Spectre, happy Monday, man. What's up? Hey, happy Monday to you guys. Listen, Carter, me and you rarely agree on anything, but we're agreeing on this. I'm taking LSU, and uh, the ace pitcher, Skins, is it Skins, or how do you say his name? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he would get a start. I mean, what's it been, three days, four days since been, last pitch? Yeah, yeah, it's been th- three or four days, and, I mean, it yeah. hit through 120 on Thursday. I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask for him to go give you yeah. a whole game. I still thought they'd start him. And well, this is how I see it. I see it that um, LSU won't start him, but if they get a a lead where there's a one run, two run lead going into the middle, like maybe the fourth or fifth inning, I think they'll bring him in to shut Florida down mm-hmm. and maybe maybe get the closer in there after that. Yeah, it's what it seems like they're going to do, Spectre. And I, I thought he would get the start. And again, it is a lot to ask, but we talked about just getting off to a good start for this LSU team, and, and that's a almost guaranteed way to do that. Now I think LSU is running the risk of, let's say Florida jumps on the starter early and they go up by five. Well, if you bring Paul Skeens in in a 5-4 run game, how much are you really using Paul Skeens to your advantage? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Well, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That's 100%. I mean, 100% right. But uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the LSU just okay. like you. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. I think it's going to be a great game tonight. I really it do. It will be. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate you, call, Spectre. Good to hear from you. Uh, Spectre on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Uh, yeah, you picked LSU. I picked Florida. Jack picked Florida. Uh, I do have... For some reason, I do have a sneaky suspicion about LSU winning, but I'm going to stick with the Florida pick just because I said so. We, but, were, ju- we were so confident on Friday that I know. Florida was going to win game one. Mm-hmm. Then we saw how that went. I, I wonder, like, the confidence level that Florida's going to win because you're going to get, at best, a limited skeins out of LSU. 
And with the way those Florida bats look like, I wonder if you get some something similar in this one. Yeah, very well could. I think it'll be a really, really fun game tonight, LSU and Florida. We will wrap up the show with that conversation as well. But do want to let you, uh, our listeners, listen to uh, the newest Braves Today podcast from our good buddy Lindsey Crosby of Locked on MLB Prospects, Bravestoday.com, and Auburn Daily, and Ben Taylor, who is host of Auburn Up Like It this morning. Uh, we talked some baseball back in hour number one and our best and worst things from over the weekend. I've still have my worst thing to talk about coming up but this is the updated a uh, podcast from them just talking about the Braves and the Reds uh, as the Braves do get that win against the Cincinnati Reds the hottest team in all of baseball uh, talking about that in the upcoming series for Atlanta so stay tuned and listen to this it'll be a really really interesting Lindsey Crosby Ben Taylor on Braves today the Braves are the best team in baseball and they're doing it with subpar pitching because they don't even have their best guys on the hill at this time. They have done it with the bats. They've done it with teamwork. They've done it with defense. They've done it with base running, which is very odd, seeing as how bad that's been in previous years. And now they've proved it by taking on the Phillies and taking two from them. Could have been, quote-unquote, a sweep. We'll see when that third game gets played on September 11th because of that series. And then they take two or three from what I considered to be the hottest team in baseball at the time in the Cincinnati Reds. That was a playoff-type atmosphere. Like, that feels like it's an early preview of potentially the NLCS. I mean, electric atmosphere. Atlanta goes in and does just about everything you have to do. Really weird first two games. I mean... Tons of runs, tons of home runs. Atlanta does everything right, it feels like. Still drops game one, uh, turns around, wins game two and game three. And game three, to me, was the big game to see Atlanta win. Not only because you win the series, obviously that's the big goal. But for me, it's because Atlanta didn't really have the home run in their pocket like they usually do. They hit one home run, Matt Olson had a three-run bomb. But other than that, it was stringing together singles. It was working walks, uh, getting all these runs, all these other ways besides home runs to me showed me that it's it's they understand the collective goal. Like these guys, I'm, Ronald wants a 40-40 year, but he understands his job is getting scoring position and score runs somehow. And I feel like this was the game where you really saw them embrace that and do that. Let's go back to game one of the series with Cincinnati. And I, I told you in, in the notes that we, we talked about is I felt like that wasn't necessarily as much of a loss as much as it was Atlanta ran out of innings. But then again, the same could have been said for Cincinnati because they just seemed to kept going. Now, it was one of those deals where it was a little upsetting, putting five on the board to start with and then letting them come back. But still, you're on the road. The fact that you still take two or three on the road says a lot against the hottest team in baseball. But I seriously think game one was one of those that that was a ball game that I think all of us could have sat and watched for 25 innings if the league would have let us do it. Yeah, like you don't need a Manfred man there. We just kept on going. And I remember after that game actually tweeting, like, I'm not even mad. That was a great game. Yeah, uh, but Atlanta really figured out later in the game what to start doing differently to keep Cincinnati off mm-hmm. the board. Cincinnati scores, I want to say they scored in the first, all their runs in the first five innings. Mm-hmm. And after that, Kirby Yates and Joe Jimenez combined to hold them to one hit, one walk, three strikeouts over the last two and two-thirds innings. And so if that game had kept on going, I think Atlanta would have ended up winning that game simply because it looks like they kind of finally figured out how you have to pitch differently in that park where a pop fly can be a home run to left. And uh, But 
Either way, fantastic matchup. You saw them make a little bit of adjustment on Saturday for game two and then definitely did for game three. No right, no freed. I say subpar pitching. These guys are still holding their own, and I say that with Charlie Morton having uh, a, a laborer's due as he he did well in the final game of the series, and then I can't discount Schuster as he kept him in there. It seemed like he changed his way of pitching somehow or another. Uh, he, he stayed. He, he kept the ball low. He didn't get it up, and it ended up paying dividends for him. Yeah, it was it was different from what you normally see from Jared Schuster because his I mean, uh, but it was exactly what we talked about making that adjustment. He understood mm-hmm. it's another thing where the team stats are not as important or are more important than my stats. He understood keep the ball down, let him hit it on the ground versus elevating the fastball for a strikeout versus catching him with a slider up and away, letting him chase, keep the ball down. Charlie Morton on Sunday, you mentioned him. I was really impressed. He had 10 runners on base in his five yes. innings, but I think he only gave up either one or two extra base hits, two extra base hits, both doubles, no home runs allowed by Charlie Morton and seven strikeouts. So he's pitching from the stretch most of the time. He walked three guys. So lots of traffic, but he never really let that hurt him. And it kind of shows why people who have been not happy with Charlie Morton need to like calm down. He's a veteran. He understands what he does. He can execute it well and adjust to the opponent. Olsen to me is doing exactly what I wanted him to do. He still will strike out every now and then when he's not supposed to, but you mentioned a pop fly in that venue in Cincinnati. That's exactly what took place as uh, he went opposite field when he hit it up in the air, he didn't even realize that he he was kind of wondering, one, if it was going to be fouled, number two, if it had the distance. It ended up land it lands, I don't know, eight, nine, ten rows deep, so it wasn't even something that was close. And uh, not to mention, you got Olsen raking, you got Ronnie raking and stealing, and you got Ozzy now that has come out of his shell, and he seems to hit a random bomb every now and then. He's getting base hits that are sliding through the right side, and so it seems like everybody's kind of clicking on all cylinders offensively. To kind of quantify how everybody's clicking at the same time, going into that Sunday game, over the last 30 days, the Atlanta Braves were hitting 298 as a team. Like the slash line was 298, 357, 530. They hit 55 home runs in the previous 30 days. I think half of those were against Colorado. Uh, 162 runs. It was like 26 games. So they were averaging over six runs a game. And we talked about... This season, Ronald Acuna Jr. had been the only real consistent offensive producer all the way through the season. Everybody had slumps up and down. But when, like right now, you can see everybody is hitting and you can see what this offense can do and how almost unstoppable the Braves are when everybody is hitting on all cylinders. You saw that this weekend. Cincinnati, uh, you know, all six games you played against them have been one-run games. Atlanta's won five of them. And Atlanta comes just a couple inches away from a ball uh, passing, like going over the fence to take that game one and Mm -hmm. a sweep on the weekend. Lindsay, are Atlanta and Cincinnati the two best teams in baseball right now? So it it feels like Tampa Bay has a case, American League, different league, obviously. Mm -hmm. It feels like Arizona still has a case, 47 and 32, uh, beating the Dodgers in the division. But Cincinnati and Atlanta are... I'd say Atlanta's the best team in baseball right now. I'd say mm-hmm. Cincinnati's probably top three, top four. And at this exact moment, these feel like the two hottest and two best teams in, 
in baseball, yes. Uh, if I had to just make projections and assumptions, looking at this division, it absolutely looks like Cincinnati has a chance to run away with it, provided their pitching stays healthy. They lost one of their starters over the weekend uh, to the IL for, I think, like an oblique injury during a warm-up. And so if their pitching is healthy, Cincinnati feels like they can hang around, and this may have ended up being a preview of the NLCS. I will say this. We've done nothing but sing Atlanta's praises, especially over the last couple of series. However, the one thing that makes me feel uneasy is that bullpen. Does Alex Anthopoulos need to go out and either find a closer, find a couple of setup guys? Keep in mind, after the all-star break, Freed and Ryder coming back, does somebody make the jump? Morton has been one that says, I'll pitch wherever. I don't care. So he is one that has said he's he's even volunteered to go to the bullpen if need be. Uh, but that's what a grizzly veteran does. Is right. We saw it with Smoltz back in his day morton's already followed on that sword and said i know the young guys want to start cool with that i'll jump out in the pen if need be but he's throwing so well right now i don't know if we want him to do that so does double a make a move i feel like atlanta probably does a couple things yeah i'm i'm pretty confident you go out and get at least one reliever if not two simply to give yourself more options and to kind of uh, stop overusing some of these guys i do think jesse chavez coming back from injury will be big from Mm -hmm. what we understand he's uh, recovering just fine from uh, from the injury should be one of the shorter stays on the IL. And then I think when you get everybody back, assuming you do get both Fright and, uh, Freed and Wright back, the the common the kind of thing to me that makes sense is a guy like an AJ Smith Shaver, somebody who's not necessarily established as a starter yet. Keep the veteran Morton. Uh, keep, keep him in the rotation. He obviously knows how to work through a lineup multiple times, but a young guy like A.J. Smith-Shaver, that's the big challenge for him. Let him go in the bullpen. Let him come out and eat two or three innings, go through the lineup once, save the instead of having to go through two or three different relievers to get through two or three innings, let A.J. Smith-Shaver go out there and eat a couple innings and just have him be down for a couple days. So it feels like there's going to be a combination of a lot of things that Lane's going to do to kind of bolster that bullpen between now and the end of the season. We look at the before we look at the twins here momentarily, which we'll talk about them because they are leading the AL Central. However, we'll mention their record here in a little bit. That number is a little skewed, in my opinion. Uh, but I will talk about the the rest of the teams that Atlanta faces before the All Star break. Everybody, if I'm not mistaken, looking at some numbers from earlier, they all have winning percentages. So it's not like they're going to be getting some cakewalks between now and uh, the the Midsummer Classic. Yeah, you have the twins who we're getting to. You have the Marlins, who are right behind you in the division, surprisingly still behind you in the division. You have the Guardians, who have always been dangerous uh, and are right <laughs> there, also in contention for the Central. And then you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who still have the best record in baseball, right there ahead of Atlanta, although I do think Atlanta's better than them. Uh, yep. I will point out that this can change. Going into June, we were talking about 16 straight against teams with losing records. And between when June started and when we got there, both the (laughs) Phillies and the Reds went into winning records and the Reds became apparently a a unit. And so so things can change. The Guardians can take a a downturn and and get rough. The Rays could lose another couple uh, starters to injury. This could be a different scenario in two weeks. But as of now, it looks like this is one of your tougher stretches of the season. And so Atlanta, I'm glad they're firing all cylinders right now. The Twins, that's who Atlanta takes on next. They lost the series to Detroit. They lost the series to Boston. How Well, they, they split the series with Boston, and then they won the series with Detroit. So what team does Atlanta see? Because they are the leaders in the AL Central. They are in first place, but they're only a 40 and 39. So they're only a game over 500. So it's not like we're facing 
the Reds or the Tampa Bay Rays, but you are facing a number one team in their division. The thing that I look at is they're they're five and five in their last ten games. Their run differential is kind of close to to even. It's like plus thirty four. They've scored like three hundred and forty runs against three hundred and six. The story of what Minnesota likes to do, uh, they strike out a ton. They lead baseball in strikeouts. So this is a team that is susceptible to uh, pitchers who can execute really well. Spencer Strider would have an absolute field day against these guys. Uh, you know, it's it's also a team that likes to swing for power, hit for the fences. I'm glad you're having this series at home where it's not always as easy for some of these guys to get out. And then they're a team that right now is playing defense not as well as they could. They've got some guys who are working through some stuff. Byron Buxton still a DH. And so they they're they're. They're dangerous, but they're vo- like, but they're gettable. You can beat them, and I think Atlanta is the better team and should probably win two out of these three. I think the confidence builds between the uh, series win at Philly. That's what we're going to call it now. We can't call it a sweep yet. And then the series win at Cincinnati. So both of those on the road, that success continues. You say two out of three. I am calling the sweep against the meaningless interleague play that I absolutely I used to love it. I said I loved it when we faced maybe two teams prior to the All-Star break and two teams after the All-Star break. Now that we're playing them once a week, we're playing an American League team. I'm kind of over it by now. Uh, but I'm going to call a sweep against the, the Minnesota Twins. It's that 40-39 and 39 record that sticks out in my mind. I mean, it feels like we're playing, uh, you know, uh, uh, NL Central third-place team is what it feels like Atlanta's going to be playing. I think they're just playing with a lot of confidence right now and even more confidence as they come back home. Watch the weather. Could have some rain outs. Storms expected for as far as this week is concerned. And hot temperatures. Yeah. Good news is Atlanta has an off day on Thursday. So if they have to move, say, uh, Wednesday's game to an evening game to the daytime, they can do that. Uh, it's it's something where this, this Twins team isn't as good as the first place label makes them sound. Uh, they are vulnerable. The thing that I like about the the series, like the road trip Atlanta just had, is you won games in a bunch of different ways. You won high-scoring affairs. You scored seven against the Reds in consecutive days. The loss was a 10-run game. You had low-scoring games. You beat Philadelphia 4-2. to two. You're going to face some pretty good pitching from Minnesota. It feels like everybody tries to stack up their rotation to take a shot at the Kings, but you come at the Kings, you better not miss. Uh, so it's Spencer Strider versus Sonny Gray on Monday. Going to be a fantastic matchup. Sonny Gray's sporting like a 2-6 ERA on the yep. year. Tuesday, Bryce Elder versus Joe Ryan. Both these guys have ERAs under three. And then Wednesday, A.J. Smith-Shaver, the youngster, versus Kenta Maeda. Uh, Maeda's been in and out of injury. He's looked dominant at times. He's looked entirely destroyable at times. So mm. question about what kind of guy you're going to get, but definitely some good matchups. And again, Another team that has seemed to like set everything up to bring their best at Atlanta. He says two for three. I say series sweep at home in Atlanta, and we will have a full recap of it as well as a preview of the rest of the series as we head into the All-Star break shortly. He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. Braves today, hit that subscribe button down there at the bottom if you're watching on YouTube, and go to Braves underscore today on the Twitter. Lindsey, as always, thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Chop on. 
That is the Braves Today podcast. Lindsey Crosby, Ben Taylor, who hosts that, and they record a new one after every single Atlanta Braves series. Uh, they are kind enough to let us use that. Wanted to let you, our wonderful listeners, listen to that and uh, get get the scoop on all things Atlanta Braves as they take down the Cincinnati Reds. When we come back, we'll have question of the day, continuing to talk about the best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend before we talk some more Auburn basketball as their SEC opponents have been announced for today. Give us a call, 334 334- 321-1390. More of the Monday edition of On the Line when we return. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day once again here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins. We talked a little bit about this in the first hour. Want to return to it and finish it up real quick before we talk some more Auburn basketball. It's Monday. Best and worst things we saw in sports over the weekend. The best thing I saw was what Ben and Lindsay just talked about. The Braves and Reds series from this past weekend. Uh, one of the better series I've seen all season long where the Atlanta Braves take two out of three against the Red Hot Cincinnati Reds. Um, the worst thing I saw this weekend in sports it's still in major league baseball and it's worst it's the worst thing I saw because it's just like it's a head scratcher really with this franchise but the Braves fans that are listening and abroad are going to be really really happy that I'm talking about this the worst thing I saw this weekend was the New York Mets falling apart in the eighth inning uh, against the Phillies where they gave up three walks two hit by pitches and an error they had a lead they collapsed and they lose the series to the philadelphia phillies and it's so bad it's so bad man it's so bad 15 games behind the braves right now listen to some of these stats about the new york mets the new york mets have lost six out of the last seven series they've played and that one other series they didn't win it they just split a two-game set with the new york yankees Hmm. they have not won a series since they swept that Phillies team on June 1st. The New York Mets are about to go the month of June and not win a series until June 1st, where the series started in the month of May. Yeah. To start the year, according to DraftKings, the New York Mets were the most popular bet to win the World Series, and they are now favored to miss the playoffs. What in the world is happening at City Field with the New York Mets? It's crazy. It's unbelievable. It's... It's so weird to watch this this Mets team be this bad with the bloated payroll and everything. Heck, man, they're only five games better than the Washington Nationals who, who are like actively trying not to be good this year. I mean, this is this is tough. I mean, I know the I know the Phillies are good. I know the Braves are great. I know the Marlins have kind of been up and coming, but you should not be with that team. Seven games below 500. It shouldn't happen. I mean, it's it's amazing. And honestly, they've had pretty good success in extra inning games. Like they've gotten a little bit lucky that that some it's not worse than it is. And and here's something that that really surprises me when you see a team that has a losing record, seven games under 500 for the New York Mets, which isn't. It's not like. Any, it's not 17 games like uh, like the Washington Nationals, but their run differential is only 18. It's, it's minus 18 for the Mets. 
that's nothing insane to me. Like, you look at the Nationals, who have a 64-run differential. (laughs) The Oakland Athletics, have you looked at what their run differential is this year? Oh, it's historically awful. (laughs) It's so bad. It is minus 224. That's the run differential. Almost double as bad as anybody else because the Royals are minus 122 and the Rockies are minus 123. Yeah. It's unbelievable, man. Can the A's hit? Can the A's hit 500? Hmm. Can they go 500 in the negative? Because, like, the motivation to show up and win games is not going to get better. No, it's going to get worse. And other teams are going to get, it's going to get more intense as they play some of these other teams down the stretch of the year. Like, everybody else. teams in their division. Everybody else in that division is. Not necessarily out of it for for the postseason. I mean, even the uh, the Mariners are just four and a half games out of a wild card spot. I think that they very easily could climb up there and fight that out. Look man. at the Angels, six games out of the the division lead. I mean, if they get hot, yeah, down and the just stretch. a just a game out of the wild card. Yeah, uh, the Astros half a game out of the wild card. That division is a that's a very good division right now. Uh, the Rangers leading the way um, a little bit. Surprised that they've hung on, especially with losing um, DeGrom. But, I mean, everybody, except for the Royals, they're in it in the AL Central. Like, because of the expanded playoffs, everybody's still got something to play for. The A's don't. Right. And I can't imagine that it's going to get better over the back half. We are one game away from the exact halfway point for the A's. I think 500, 500 in the negative is on the table. I think it is, too. And to to give you one more stat about the New York Mets, because they were the worst thing I saw in sports this weekend, they have the same record as the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that's all you need to know about the New York Mets. When we come back, we'll talk. Oh, thank God. They did. They, they did won finally a game. win a game. <laughs> they did win a game. We'll talk some Auburn basketball when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, earlier today, Auburn basketball got the news from the SEC, just like all of the other schools in the conference, about their SEC basketball opponents for the 2023 and 2024 season. And want to break those down some. We did it a little bit in the first hour. Want to talk some more here in hour number two in case you missed that. Uh, talk about who Auburn will be playing inside of Neville Arena and also talk about the road trips that Auburn will take around the Southeastern Conference in the final year before Texas and Oklahoma come to the conference. And so uh, if you've taken a look at the list and you have thoughts on this and you want to join in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Also want to take a look if we got some time on other SEC opponents for other SEC teams, Uh, maybe find some interesting matchups that could be a lot of fun in 2023 and 2024 so when you look at uh, when you look at Auburn's home and away opponents again the schedule has not been released but we know the opponents for Auburn basketball starting with the home teams and the home games I should say for Auburn Alabama Georgia Kentucky LSU 
Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. You have uh, the permanent opponents with Alabama, Ole Miss, and, uh, and, and Georgia. And so with those, and we had this conversation in the first hour, the home games should be exciting for Auburn. You get Alabama at home, you get Kentucky at home, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss with the narratives there as well. Should be some really fun games inside of Neville Arena this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, we still don't know exactly how the rest of the schedule is going to uh, shape up. We have an idea about some of the games right now when you go look at For non yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I know that um, Auburn's got that Baylor game. I want to say they're playing in Atlanta again. I want to say they might be getting like an Indiana or something in Atlanta. I might be just completely m- making that up. Um, and, of course, we know that the SEC a- ACC Challenge kicks off for the first time uh, this upcoming yeah, year good point. as well. But as far as... Home games, I mean, Alabama at home, always going to be big. Kentucky at home, always going to be big. Ole Miss is going to have some extra fuel to it this year. I think that one's going to be fun. A&M, I think it's big to get that one at home just because of how much of a thorn in Bruce Pearl's side Buzz Williams and Texas A&M have been here of late. Uh, I'm not very worried about South Carolina. I'm not very worried about Vanderbilt. Uh, Frankly, I'm not sure how worried I am about State. I think State's going to be a solid team, but I don't think they're going to be anything great. When I look at the road slate, is 500 the goal for Auburn on the road? On the road? Hmm. 500. When, when, when I look at that slate right now, I think where that Auburn team is every bit good enough to beat Georgia, every bit good enough to beat Florida, Missouri, and Vanderbilt on the road. Ole Miss, we can have a discussion. State, we can have a discussion. If you want to switch out State and Missouri, I'm fine with that. It's an and interesting look, question. I think you're going two and one against Alabama, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Which, I think. I think. The, I wow. think. I like. Which would be huge. I, it would I'll, be huge. I'll say this: Auburn drops one home game. Don't know to who. It's either going to be Alabama or A and M. And I think they have a really strong road record. And we know how tough it is to play on the road in the SEC in, in any sport, but college basketball, which it seems like it has gotten better and better and better since the conference has gotten better in college basketball. Uh, when I look at the home games record-wise, just talking about it here in late June, I think Auburn should only, yeah, I think they should only drop one game at home. And it's either going to be, Alabama, Kentucky, or Texas A&M. I don't think it'll be Alabama. I don't think it's going to be Kentucky. I don't think that Kentucky team's going to be good. I said this in the first hour because you brought it up, and it's a good point. Depends on when that game is. Depending on when that game is in the conference schedule, I think will determine how competitive Kentucky will be. And what I mean by that is I used this example earlier. If If Auburn were to play Kentucky in, let's say, the second week of January, in very, very early conference play in the SEC I think Auburn will handily beat Kentucky inside of Neville Arena because I think they win regardless of when the game is but I do think depending on how that Kentucky team gels you could get 
a comfortable Auburn win or a, or a close game. Which is where I'm going with that is if you're playing that Kentucky team in early January, mid-January, you're still two weeks into the conference schedule where you don't know what this Kentucky team is. And we know that young teams gel throughout conference play. That's just how it happens. I could see it being a back half of January game. Back half of January or even late February. Because I feel like in the past, there's always been one in each month at least, one marquee home game Auburn has had on a Saturday, um, whether it's – I feel like the Alabama game generally kind of comes a little bit later for me, mm-hmm. I, if I'm recalling that correctly. And you usually play Tennessee early March. That's normally yeah, one of your that's, last games. That's kind of where it's been. A&M feels like they've come later in the schedule. Kentucky feels like that game has – kind of been a little bit earlier in recent years, especially when they play in Neville. Mm-hmm. Feels like a January game to me. So we could get the situation where you're still catching a young, developing Kentucky basketball team. And if that's the case, I think Auburn wins comfortably inside of Neville yeah. Arena. But if you were to play late February, early March, I think it would be a lot closer. I'm still going to pick Auburn here in late June to win that game against Kentucky. And we know the SEC likes to have a headline game or two to kick off the SEC schedule. Could, Late could December. It, could it be the opener? Could it be the SEC that opener? That would be huge to play because now they do it late December, it seems like. Yeah. You know, Auburn played last year late December uh, in their SEC opener. But, like, I mean, early in the year last year, I mean, Arkansas played a bunch of big schools right off the bat. That would a be A bunch crazy. of big-name teams right off the bat. To see Auburn play. play Kentucky opening for opening game of conference play, I don't hate it. I don't think it'll happen, but I don't hate it. <laughs> I think they would prefer to have it in January when students mm-hmm. are back on campus. But, yeah. but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. It wouldn't. To go back to your question about the road games for Auburn, if 500 is the, the goal for this team. You or, have, so 4-4-5 so four and, four and five or 5-4. Five and four. Okay, right, right. You, have you, can't Al- go, you can't go straight up 500. Yeah, unfortunately. Unless, unless Auburn basketball runs into the Auburn baseball, like, uh, like Missouri's – Really got to travel home, guys, and it's the seventh <laughs> overtime. Let's 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 call it a tie. Yeah, let's just let's call it a draw and, and continue on. I don't no, think that exists. I don't think so. So yes, you have nine road games for Auburn basketball coming up in twenty three and twenty four: Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. When I look at these opponents for Auburn, given what we know the talent level will be of Auburn compared to every other team in the SEC, which I think they're going to be top three or four, when I go through this list, I give you the win against Alabama on the road. I think you split. I'm with you. you either, I think you split Arkansas and Tennessee. You will win one, lose one. I'll say, okay, I'll say this just to set a non-tamper my two Bring my expectations down a little bit. I mm-hmm. think you go one and two against Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I was going to give you two and one in those three. I was going to give you two and one because. I mean, because I, I just feel like we're going to talk ourselves into Auburn are. losing like yeah. three SEC games. <laughs> and then it's like. And that's just. Well, they're, yeah. they're a one seed. What's up? Right. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Which, I mean, let's be honest. It's tough to do that in the SEC. Um, so to be real, but I think there's a good chance, not because Auburn is better or not because Florida is better than Auburn, just because it's tough for Auburn to win in Gainesville. It's tough for anybody to win in Gainesville. I think 
out of Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, and Ole Miss, I think you go two and two in that stretch. I think you go two and two in that stretch. I think you beat Georgia, Mississippi State, Missouri. I I think you're better than Florida. I think you are too. Castleton's not there. You should be. You've got the the kid from Marshall that was like a ten point a game guy. Yeah, he's seven foot one, seven foot two, but he's also a daggum string bean right now. Auburn was better than them the last time they went to Florida, and they let Castleton and that team bully them. When we saw. I think Janai can do the same thing to, if not better, to their new center. Because we we saw Janai dominate Castleton mm-hmm. in Neville Arena last year. I don't think that Florida team's there yet. I just think it's a tough place to play. It is. I just, I think this Auburn team's just gonna be really good, man. I'm I'm with you. I just think again. You have some tough road games. I think you've you've got a lot of guys that are fully bought in that just want to win mm-hmm. and want to do whatever it takes to win. And you've got experience on this team, which and helps you no, on the road. There's no worrying about the hierarchy, worrying about who gets the credit, worrying about who gets shots, who gets who takes the final who, shot. Exactly. I don't think that's going to be a thing this year. And as a result, I mean, I mean, I think this Auburn team wins the SEC. I I do, and I think it's crazy the way some of the national media have slept on this Auburn team. Oh, I'm with you on that. I, the, and, and let them, honestly. Let them sleep on this Auburn team and let them just shock the world when they come through and start winning a lot of their SEC games. And I think they're going to win a lot of their non-con games as well. But I think with that, you will have situations in this upcoming season, 23 and 24 for Auburn basketball, where in the past two or three years, Auburn has gone and lost winnable games, right? They have lost winnable games, games that they should have won, they could have won, and they just flat out didn't. And I don't think you will see that as often this upcoming season for Auburn basketball. It's still going to happen. It's it's college, man. It's college basketball. You're going to it's sports. You're going to lose a game that you shouldn't somewhere down the line. But I just don't think when Auburn goes on the road to Athens, Georgia, you see this team drop an egg and lose. I don't think you see this team go to Nashville this year and watch them play terrible yet again against a mediocre Vanderbilt team who will be worse this year than they were last year. Significantly worse. But Auburn will show up and play that game and win that game yes. by double digits like they're supposed to do. And that's what I'm saying this team there's is no going Liam, to be. There's no Liam Robbins to just be a freak of nature and drag that Vanderbilt mm-hmm. team to win. Exactly. And so I think with that, yeah, I feel more confident about Auburn on the road this year, but it is, like you said, we need to limit expectations for now because you're playing on the road in the SEC. It's tough. It's tough to do, man. We say that, and I think I'm kind of ready to uh, pick what I think Auburn's going to finish in conference play. Well, I'll give you my picks as of right now, and look, these can change between now and and late December when conference play starts or even when we start talking college basketball in late October, early November. I'm, but I'll I'm give you right now. I'm really tempted to say 15-3, and three, but I'm going to say 14-4. and four. I'm going to write it out right now. So we'll start with the home games. I think you win. Let's see. So I got wins and I got losses. All right? I got you a win against Alabama at home, a win against Georgia at home. I'm going to give you the win against Kentucky at home. I'm going to give you the win against LSU at home and Ole Miss. So do you have A&M being the only loss? God, I guess so. 
Mm. Or or do you have him going undefeated at home? Which is which is very, very possible. Pretty, which is like, very possible. This team could do that. I, I don't see them losing to Alabama at home. I, I think Auburn sweeps sweeps Alabama. I'm with you. I think Auburn sweeps Georgia. Got you. I I you beat Ole Miss at home. Road, we can talk about it. I feel kind of good about it. Kentucky at home, I feel really good about. LSU at home, I think you smoke them. God. South Carolina at home, I think you smoke them. It's so easy to talk myself into undefeated at Neville Arena in, in conference play. It's so it's easy. It's not to that. Do it. It's not that hard. Their schedule at home is not that bad. Now it does. I think a lot of this has to factor in, and, and we can come back to this when it happens. We don't know the actual schedule, right? We don't know how it all lays out, which does impact some picks down the road. If Auburn stays healthy, screw it. I'm saying 15 and three. <laughs> if Auburn stays healthy, and that's the caveat. That's fair. Like if you start, if Janai Broom gets hurt, if if. Trey Donaldson or Aiden Holloway get hurt. Uh, if all of a sudden you're razor thin and you're having to play, um, you're having to play your backup centers. Dylan Cardwell's having to be a starter, and your JUCO guy you you just brought in is having to play the Dylan Cardwell role. I don't love that, but if Auburn stays healthy, they're going to go fifteen and three. So they're going to win. They're going to win 18, the league. You have them going fifteen and three. I'm going to say in a vacuum, as of right now, without knowing how the schedule lays out, I will give you 14 and four. I'll give you 14 and four. And that includes one loss at home and three losses on the road. And your loss at home is either going to be, it's either going to be Kentucky or A&M. And then your losses on the road are going to be a combination of Arkansas, Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. So I think you go, well, so I guess I've got you now going one and three in those games. Because I said two and two originally, but to tamper my expectations a little bit, I'll say one and three in those combination of four. But that does have you beating Alabama, Mississippi State, Missouri, Georgia, and Vanderbilt on the road. And you got to win one of the big ones, Arkansas or Tennessee. That way you have that win. We know all the, the rankings and all the things that go into that. I will give you 14 and four in a vacuum right now without knowing the schedule. I think yeah. it's fair, right? 15 and three would win you 14 and four would, I think would win you the league a couple times in the last six years. 15 and three wins the league three of the last six. And is that 15 and three undefeated at home for you? Yeah. Okay. I'll say it. Okay. Again, I don't think the home schedule is all that tough. I really don't. And it's tough to play inside of Neville arena. For other SEC teams. Why do I not remember Texas A&M tying Kentucky for the regular season championship in the 15-16 season? Because nobody talks about it. Because <laughs> nobody talks about it. 15-3 and three gives you a really good chance to win this league. It's strong. It's really strong. But I will say this before we get to break. The SEC as a whole is going to be down this year. I'm just going to go yes. ahead and tell you right now. Yes. The Southeastern Conference in basketball is going to be significantly worse than it's been over the past few years. Yes. Agreed. Uh, and I think that's important, which gives Auburn an advantage because, again, I think they're one of the most talented teams in the conference. Yeah, 100%. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Get out of here on a Monday afternoon, 334-321-1390. If you want to join in before we get out of here, give us a call. We'll wrap it up when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Cohen. Got a few more minutes here before we get out of here. And then uh, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will be on from 4 to 6 right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you missed any of today's show, be sure to catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, SEC play for basketball will start on January 6th. So no late December games for SEC play like we we've seen in years past so just wanted to make that note really quick yes and which i kind of like make sure the students are on campus but i want to hit you with this before we leave Mm -hmm. if you could pick any acc any acc school for the sec acc challenge who would it be in basketball, it's a, hmm, because that you already mentioned that does start getting duke no smash up with with kentucky the Mm -hmm. same way kansas was you mm. probably aren't getting UNC. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll send them to Tennessee or Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. you're probably not going to get North Carolina. That's a good question. Virginia. Virginia and Neville. Yeah. Virginia and Neville. Yeah. Virginia and Neville. Yeah. I, I just want to see it. I think that I just want to see it so badly. I think that is what most Auburn fans would love because I think Auburn would put it, it on would be Virginia. the funniest thing ever. I think it Auburn would, would put the, it on them. Like, we've seen Auburn go at uh, Tony Barbie when he comes back. We've seen... Auburn go at some of these Alabama teams. J.D. Davison. Put Virginia in Neville. If it's Just not, do it. If it's not Virginia, Miami. I don't want to mess with Miami. Miami <laughs> Miami's scary. They're scary. Miami's but scary. Auburn would it. roll over Virginia. Yes, though. they would. Or, they or would absolutely get, roll. Give them Syracuse and let them try to run the 2-3 zone if they're still doing that against Auburn shooters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to play Syracuse again. Auburn would beat Syracuse really bad this year. They they would. Auburn would really, really beat Syracuse and, and almost run them out of the gym in, in, in 23-24. So Virginia is the, the, the answer. Like, it is the go-to answer. How bad is the SEC going to start dominating the ACC in that? Because ACC basketball has been on a decline here. Yeah, it has. It's Duke, kind of UNC, Miami, and kind, every, of, kind of Virginia. And, and everybody else. And outside of that group, it's weak. Yeah. They were horrendously weak last year. Because Louisville, bad. Florida State, not good. Virginia Tech, Boston College, Wake, they're normally not anything. NC State, not with where they've been in the past. Pitt, no. Yeah. Pitt was solid last year. They I, I will give them credit. But they won't be this year. Let's see. Mm. Clemson, no. <laughs> the SEC should should handily. I think, I think it's going to be very lopsided for the rest of time. Very well could be. We're out of time, though, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow, though, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.